just before we start the show, I want to take an opportunity to invite you to join me for the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, which is available both on LinkedIn and through the official newsletter channel. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and it's easier for you to follow there, then please just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you straight to Podfluence on LinkedIn, where you can subscribe for free and get weekly updates on Podfluence articles as well as episodes. If you would like to subscribe to the full newsletter where you'll get additional materials and, as my little incentive to you, my pre-podcast guest checklist for you to use when you're appearing on podcast shows so that you can be fully prepared every single time, then please click the link to the official newsletter in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Let's get on with the show. This particular episode of the Loki podcast was recorded a little while before all the lockdown started with global pandemics. However, the information within is especially relevant during the lockdown times and beyond as well for any difficult, stressful, uncertain situations that you're going through. I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with coach and speaker Simon Marion as much as I enjoyed speaking with him. Welcome to the Loki Podcast with John Ball from Present Influence. I'm very happy to introduce a guest on today's call, a public speaker and a coach who also does a lot of great work around the area of mental health as well. Please welcome to the show, Simon Marion. Hello, Simon. Hi, good morning, John. Thanks for having me on. Great to have you with us. Please, please tell us a little bit about what it is that you do uh, in relation to public speaking and, and coaching work? Okay, so I my focus is on mental resilience uh, and helping people re, re, rediscover it uh, and redefine it, really, in using some of my um, unusual experiences in my life, I think would be a good description. Uh, and some of the things that I've learnt I learned prior to that that helped me get through it. Some of the things I learned during those experiences uh, and passing that on because I think it's pointless, pointless hanging on to knowledge and experience and not sharing the love. Absolutely. So one question that I have then is why, why, why do you especially feel that mental resilience is an important area to work in? I think because no matter what you do for a living in life, life throws curveballs at you when you very least expect them. Uh, and having that resilience to be able to deal with them, because sometimes they, they kind of happen back to back on a bounce. And each one kind of chips away and reduces your, uh, your, your uh, you know, the cup fills up, reduces your ability to, to, to manage stress effectively. Uh, and I've seen it myself. I, know, I, I definitely know where my threshold is these days. Right. And I know the signs and I help, you know, and I think having that ability to be able to know when your threshold is, to know when to back off so that it doesn't go all over the place and the shit hits the proverbial fan. Well, I mean, as, as, a, as a business owner myself and someone who's worked for myself for a long time, I think anyone who's worked for themselves probably has some, some association <laughs> with what you're talking about and can understand exactly what you mean especially yeah. when things go wrong when the shit hits the fan it can get very difficult especially when as you say often it seems like one is one thing after another and it can really grind you down and i know some people 
really struggle. In fact, one of the issues that I've found myself working with, I think I would say is related, which is um, helping clients sometimes coming back, trying to come back from a burnout, which is a, a very hard journey. Yeah, it is. It's, it is. It is tough because you. It knocks your confidence, and it's. It's. You know, you you lose your self belief that you can actually do the things that you used to do, and everything feels much harder when you come back to start with. And it's it's yeah, yeah, it's quite a difficult time. It's it's a slow road, and and you know, my experience has been that is uh, prevention. I guess in anything is is better than the cure because the. Yes. coming back from a burnout is uh, understanding that people find themselves with all these trigger points whereas uh, just getting into, into a, something triggers a all right that's a little bit stressful or this is one of the things that led up to where I was before can start a whole cycle of uh, taking <laughs> you back down into the black pit again yes yeah it is and there's it's there's such a correlation across you know no matter what people do, do in life is when something completely unrelated makes you feel like you did then, it's just bang, it's back. Yeah. It's just, and it sits there and without having, without knowing how to manage that and, and to, to deflect it and, or, you know, deflect it, accept it, whatever you need to do at the time is, yeah, it, it's, it's just quite a scary thing actually when it comes back and hijacks you like that. Yeah, and maybe that is even part of the issue as well, that the fear of it coming back as well heightens that even more. You know, as I say, uh, often say with things like pain, like going to the dentist, it's the anticipation that makes it more uh, more painful as well. And I think maybe there's, maybe there's something there too. What, what was your journey to becoming a, a speaker and coach working in, in mental resilience then? You said you had a, a bit of an unusual background. What, what led you here? Um, I started my working life. I started in the Royal Marines from a very young age. Um, as soon as I could get in, I got my dad to, to sign the dotted line because I was under 18. Um, and he was a Royal Marine as well. So there was a, I come from a, a very heavy military family. And that was, that took me down that path. Um, I was a very angry young man and this, this really channeled my aggression in a, in a constructive way and gave me some, you know, incredibly valuable tools. Um, I specialized in human intelligence and for the last part of my career and then carried on afterwards as, as um, I consulted for a variety of organizations, um, contracted to, to punting my wares and during this time, I've been in the unusual position of I've been involved in hostage negotiations and I've also been kidnapped three times, which sounds no way. rather ridiculous. But, you know, I mean, put a, you know, putting a light spinner, it was so, you know, I was so curious about the first time I thought I'd go back and try it again to see what it was like a second and a third time. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, that's a situation you would certainly need some mental resilience for. Massively, yeah. Yeah. For, ironically, the first time, after the initial kind of shock of capture, because it's a very it's it's a very scary situation when you've got a group of this happened in Nigeria, uh, and you've got guys and I was unarmed. You, you know, ten fifteen guys all very heavily armed, not very well trained. Uh, so the risk of being shot accidentally is was was extremely high. Um, but once they got us, got us in the boats and took us to the, because I was I was actually uh, on a on a ship at the time, and 
got taken to the, you know, hit dry land and they got to their village and they said, listen, don't worry about it. Problem's not with you. Apologies for the, for scaring the crap out of you. Um, we're going to take care of you. Our problems with the government and various, you know, uh, oil and gas companies was, is the crux of it down in, in Nigeria. Um, and they, they said, listen, the, here's mattresses. You've got someone to dry to sleep, mattresses, mosquito nets, malaria tablets will feed you. Uh, we won't give you water because water is more expensive than the than than the beer. So they gave us uh, warm beer for nine days, which was horrendous because it's very it's it's oh the chemicals in it they used to brew this beer horrendous, and the hangover afterwards was horrific. Um, so yeah, keeping drinking beer for nine days, but that was so that was kind of a strange. You know, it was a bit of a. a, a paradox really it's really scary and then quite calm and funny afterwards because they really looked after us very well yeah i mean i strangely enough i have i have drunk nigerian beer although thankfully it wasn't um wasn't warm but i, I can attest to the uh um raging hangover afterwards yeah well because it was started, yeah. Put up with. yeah yeah quite quite interesting but so, so that happened three, three times but all three times in nigeria or Twice in Nigeria, once in Sweden, of all places. In Sweden, my goodness. Yeah. And that was because of the work you were doing, essentially. You know? Yes. What What was it that, for, for you, like, internally, what was going on for you, and, and how did you sort of keep yourself going through that? Um, I've had, I've been in the fortunate position, really, where I've, I've had uh, training in how to deal with shock capture, and the whole resistance to interrogation piece. There was no interrogation with this. Um, nobody was after any information from me, but the whole shock of capture piece and dealing with being in captivity um, the first time was was quite easy uh, in many respects because shock of capture is you just play, you know, don't make yourself a threat because especially being unarmed, the, the risk of being killed was extremely high at that at that point because obviously they're ramped up they're adrenaline fueled quite often drink and drugs are involved to kind of give them the dutch courage to do it in the first place so uh that wasn't too bad the second time was very different uh that was that lasted for 35 days and it took longer than they wanted to get paid uh, the the ransom fee that they were demanding and it kept coming down coming down coming down uh, and they got so frustrated that they started um, getting really drunk at night, taking drugs, uh, and then taking out their frustrations on. There were five of us, and there were daily beatings. Um, sometimes it was getting more frustrated with the flat side of a machete, which from somebody who is shit-faced and off their face was quite was more scary than they were doing mock executions at one point as well. Right, to, to the latter, yeah. latter stages of it so yeah I can't even really imagine how terrifying that must be but but you but you got through that what do you, do you think that was essentially down to the training and if it was what were the elements of that 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 helped you through that the training definitely makes a difference um and i i gave myself the purpose of helping the other four people with me to get through it thankfully nobody was killed um there was some severe injuries uh, and having, having that purpose of, of helping them and teaching them all the little things that that I was using to help them get through it 
because they kept us all in one place, which was really good. So they didn't separate us. Um, and that, that was, that was a real plus because we, we could keep it, keep us, you know, keep each other upbeat, motivated and focused on getting out. Um, and just simple little tricks, things like when, when you, when you're getting a beating is to imagine yourself shrinking down inside. So your body's like a punching bag. So you can feel, you can feel the, the movement of being beaten, but you don't feel the pain as much because you kind of, you're inside yourself, this tiny little version of you and then projecting out so that you can not feel the pain as deeply as you, uh, as you would if you were really in the moment. So, I mean, this it sounds, sounds like a horrendous thing to go through and probably the vast majority of people will never go through hopefully anything nearly that. Well, certainly hope so. Terrifying. But um, <laughs> how does, how does that then apply to what you teach now in, or, or, or does it? I mean, what elements are, of mental resilience are you teaching or talking about? Well, it's all it, because these, you know, any, any experience that is overwhelmingly stressful, whatever that is, it is very subjective. It depends on what you've experienced before and, you, you know, that whole frame of reference that you have. And I, I've, I've worked with some people who are, you know, mortally terrified almost of getting up and speaking in front of other people. And they get the same physical stress responses and, and get the same physical sensations and the, the brain fog and can't, you know, can't, can't see the wood for the trees, don't know which way their ass points and feeling sick, sweating, you know, it's just, it's, so it's quite astonishing how these same physical responses happen in, in such varied situations. So, so the thing I teach, I, I talk about and teach is about self-regulation, managing your psychological state to, ma to manage your physical state and using three really simple tools to, to help people do that. And it's about, it's about consistent, like anything, it's consistent practice. The more you, practice something the better you get and it becomes that unconscious competence piece where you don't have to think about doing it it just kicks in well that's great and that's that's what you want to get to can you can you tell us a bit more about the three three stages of that sure yeah the, the first it's it does what it says in the tin really it's called a negative thought pattern interrupt and it's about disconnecting the, the emotions and the feelings that you you current that somebody currently has to those kind of self-limiting negative thought patterns that kind of, kind of they kind of spin around your head at a million miles an hour like a tornado, and it's about taking the power out of that, disconnecting, either reducing or disconnecting the power of those emotions that are connected to those thoughts because the thoughts aren't really the problem. It's the way they make you feel. And and so from there, like if you were applying that to someone who maybe has to or wants to do public speaking and is absolutely terrified of it, what would what would you take them through on that in, that's specifically related to that? It's it's a it's a very simple. I mean this this is a this is a technique that I that I learned from a gentleman called Stephen Brooks, um, and I adapted it to fit. Because I work predominantly with uh, with uh, I do at the moment with uh, with veterans and, and and the military, and they're very unforgiving in their um, 
if they in their in their approach if they don't like something or think something's a crock of shit they'll tell you in no uncertain terms um so i had to adapt this approach to fit these people so i kind of based on the principle of occam's razor so you know take it down to its simplest form that works so and they're not very emotional flowery kind of people really <laughs> generally yeah, sure. so um it's repeating a very short sentence over and over again in your head while focusing on feeling shit which sounds rather counterintuitive but focus on the on the crappy feeling while saying the sentence over and over again on loop until you intuitively stop that, that's quite an interesting so it's, it's like an overload almost of, of that until you just can't do it anymore because you have to keep pushing that yeah it's kind of weird it's 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 you get to the point where you just you can't find that that feeling just kind of dissolves and you can do this round after round as many rounds as you need to people tend to do it one one of the most extreme example I've got of this, of using this, was with a guy who had been given my number by somebody else I treated. And he FaceTimed me at half past one in the morning. Uh, and I saw him, and I saw him, and he's holding a, and he's got a noose around his neck and a bottle of vodka in the other hand. And he's drinking this. And it turns out he was stood on a chair and he was about to step off. And he saw down on the table next to him that the, the piece of paper with the number on it. So he thought, fuck it, I've got nothing, I've got nothing to lose make this one more phone call and I talked to him for about 45 minutes and then I ran this this first little process with him when he was happy to do it and as I'm sure you can imagine he was kind of freaked out and he was speaking at a million miles an hour and over 20-30 seconds he started to slow down and then he started laughing so I asked him what was going on and he said well I just I just I don't know I just I just I don't know why I'm laughing I just, I just am. And I feel, I didn't I say, why did you stop? And so I didn't feel like I needed to say it anymore. And there's a kind of a retrospective assessment. So on a scale of zero to 10, 10 being worse, how do you, how did you feel? How, how strong were those emotions, what feelings when you, before you started? It was like 500. <laughs> I said, how do you feel now? And he said, well, I'll see you about a three or a four. Like, well, do you want to do it again? Do you want to get, so he did it again and just got it down to what he classed as a zero. So from being on that, you know, toes on the edge, literally, I mean, you know, this is not a universal cure-all. It works in varying degrees for different people at different times. But for that, that guy at that particular moment, it really hit the spot. Just complete, complete confusion, obviously. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, a testament to your own mental resilience and keeping keeping your cool in a in a situation like that, which is to a great degree down to your own experience and training as well. Right? So. Definitely, shit yourself on the inside, but don't show it on the outside. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> great. Well, when uh, when you get up and and give uh, presentations, then how how do you how do you feel? I think it depends on the audience. <laughs> um, if it's if it's an audience of people that know, even have a slight insight into what you're about to talk about, then it makes it more nerve wracking. Um, but I do practice what I what I teach and preach. I use these techniques. I use these tools every day. 
I, I get up in the morning, I flip the kettle on, I sit at the kitchen table and I just run it for five minutes. And that yeah. seemed, for me, this keep, gets my head on the right track at the beginning of the day. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of the um, sort of practice of the ancient Stoics of the negative visualization. If you actually put yourself into imagining those terrible things in life that you don't really want to imagine or spend time thinking about. Um, some people think that that might, uh, might sort of lead you into depression. I think maybe it's something people should be uh, aware of, but I think for gem generally the purpose of it is to help you appreciate what you have right now, help you appreciate that you're alive and recognize that everything is temporary and you'd better make the most of it all whilst it's here. So it's, it's designed to be a, uh, although it seems dark, it's designed to be an uplifting process. It's a similar it, kind of thing, I guess. It is. It's you know, it's it's we can't we can't stop these emotions coming up and these feelings, but we can change them. We don't have to, and we and I think having an acceptance that they are there, and that they can't actually do anything to you. They can make us feel shit, but we don't have to take action on anything with them. We can just sit with them and go, do you know what's okay? I feel shit, but it's going to pass, as you just said. And allowing them to just be there and not do anything about them, sometimes, you know, tolerance of, of uncomfortable emotions is really important skill to, to, to acquire in life because they're, as, as we all know, they can, they can hit us from the blind side for no real apparent reason that we're consciously aware of anyway. Um, so yeah, having having that tolerance and acceptance, and yeah, okay, that's fine. I can feel shit for for a little while. Um, I've got other things to do. <laughs> I really I really like that, and and I like it because um, one of the things I'm aware of, and I've done a a, um, a lot, and I've many coaches, and I've done NLP, hypnotherapy, and, and various coaching courses, and um, and I've also done some investigation into the work of cults and okay. uh, and extreme religious organisations, and. And the a technique that I've come across in in both of those environments, I guess, has been one that seems to be more like thought stopping rather than actually processing the emotion. And I much more like the idea of a rapid processing and being with it and helping it pass. And and the, that I believe emotions are there for a reason, and we shouldn't yes. just try and block them. We should actually understand what's coming up and and we may need to just work on having better ways of dealing with them which is what you're talking about I like that a yeah lot. we know we, we when, when our brain stops thinking it's it's generally involves death um <laughs> it's the, there's it's always doing something creating something thinking about something so i think trying to stop thoughts is is a pointless exercise really because yeah. we can't stop the mind is always doing something um, yeah. So I think it's much, much more effective to focus on changing the emotion that comes up and, and changing the way that affects us physically as well as mentally. You know, if we change the way we feel about it, it changes the way we think about it. Because when we feel better about something, it, you know, it changes your whole physiology. And it, maybe when you start to feel better, you start, your posture changes and you start to feel lighter and then you start behaving lighter. 
I think there are a whole load of um, thought-stopping techniques that people use without even realizing that that might be what they're doing, like drugs and alcohol sometimes, even TV <laughs> and entertainment yeah. to some degree, anything to stop being alone, being alone with your thoughts, right? Yes, yeah. I mean, if you're, in, if you're, if you're you know, chronically depressed, um, struggling with anxiety and panic attacks consistently, that yeah, it's hard work and it, it's draining. It's quite exhausting, and any distraction from that at the time is a good thing. But when you're not really doing anything constructive, to I don't like the word control so much, but it's about you know getting getting a grip of it and working with it rather than fighting it. From from the work that you do, then what what is your maybe primary motivation for for doing what you do? Oh, uh, I think having been at my lowest point in my life um, two or three times, only once where I was so low that I was actually going to take my own life. Um, I I really have it knowing how horrible that feels to get to that point anything that i can do to help other people protect themselves from that is really my main motivation really right there's uh there's an author i really like called matt haig i don't know if you've come across him at all yeah. but he's uh he has talked about these sorts of experience and and written uh, uh book uh, reasons to stay alive which uh yeah. interesting book for uh, i don't know if it's, if it's is it one you've checked out yourself i haven't no i i know his name but i haven't i haven't read it no he's uh i've read a few of his books and i've got most of the way through um, reasons to stay alive but it's uh it's nice nice now that people more and more are having these open discussions about about mental health and about looking after yourself and depression and uh, suicide and hopefully suicide prevention and yeah. that uh, that we can actually talk about it without all the stigmas and whatever else that's been historically yeah. attached to these issues when when you go out in and give a, a presentation in public what's what's generally the thing that you most want people to take away from from one of your talks Ooh, i think i think a lot of it is about that acceptance that you know you're gonna you're gonna feel crap at times and that's 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 okay because nothing you know no emotion lasts forever and the feelings that are kind of the physical feelings that are associated with that um and it's okay even if you just sometimes just to sit with it and let it pass because it will something will change in your mind your mind will just distract itself and think about go on to something else and just not to, not to get hung up and focused on the crap because it's that's just one. It's like looking through life through a, through a, a, a telescope. You know, when you've got your eye to that telescope, all you can see is what's in that circle. You're missing so much else. So it's about taking that telescope away so you can actually see the bigger picture. Yeah, I, I definitely like that. And, um, so from from moving forward with that, and you've got, it's a great message, and I think it's important. I think so many people are, are struggling, and some people are really struggling to 
keep their heads metaphorically above water with emotions and crap that's going on in their lives. You know, people have been dealing with all, all sorts of things and um, and it gets piled upon by everything else that's going on around us, particularly like, things that have been going on in the UK over the last several years, right? But it, yes. only, it only adds to all the, all the stress on top of everything else. And so people can sit with the emotions, but then where, where else can they go? What else might help them? I'm, um, one of the other things I help people to do is if they don't already know is about changing their brain state. So changing the, the frequency that their brain is operating at because, you know, there's, there's a positive and negative to everything. So every brain, every brain state has, has a, a good side and a, and a, and a, and a, and a not so useful side. <laughs> um, and when people are stressed and anxious and scared, that kind of in, you can feel it in, in your in your in your own head and your body. Your brain is spinning at a million miles an hour. It seems to be really everything's going too fast, which is part of the problem. And that's the you know we talk about getting into to the gamma frequency in our brain, which is a really positive can be a really positive place to be in your own mind when with the, with the right intention behind it but when it gets in that negative default way of spinning up into that that really fast speed it, it can be quite debilitating which is kind of you know it's polar opposites you know you can use it as a high performance high performance learning state and an operating state equally it can be very detrimental and self-sabotaging when it goes off on a negative spin at that speed and then all you're focused on is the problem and all the shit that's going on and how crap you feel and it just gets in it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy then it self-fuels so taking people out of that into a more user-friendly state for themselves taking it down to you know to beta alpha which is a nice, as you know, <laughs> is a nice, much more relaxed, much more user-friendly state where you can actually, it's, it, it then disengages the, the, or engages the parasympathetic nervous system, takes us out of that limbic system operating. So we're not in fight or flight. So we can actually then start to engage the brain effectively for ourselves, bringing in the visual cortex, returning executive functioning, so that we can actually think logically, rationally, make sensible decisions rather than those emotional-based ones, which invariably lead us to extracting both feet from our mouth. Is, is there a, a tool or a method that you could share that might help people who are listening now to be able to um, get closer into that sort of brain state? Yeah, it's really it's really simple. It's, it's a combination of things that I've picked up over the years, and it Funny enough, it involves breathing. <laughs> uh, and I've had so many people say to me, oh, that does, I know how to breathe. Well, yes, you do, but not necessarily as effective as you need to all the time. There's, there's, you know, there's huge weight of evidence from millennia, really, of, of breathing and controlling your breathing to, to achieve different brain states. Um, Wim Hof. It's a perfect example, phenomenal 
what he does with breathing to control the body's natural response to freezing cold water. <laughs> um, free divers, again, you know, Buddhist monks slowing themselves down so that sitting in the snow and snow melting around them as they're steaming away. Um, so breathing and physical movement and saying what it is you want to experience rather than what you currently are in a combination. And it's really simple and it involves lifting and lowering one arm from the elbow. So just the forearm lifting and lowering. And I've made this really simple. There's different counting for breathing, different exercises. I've just kept it at counting to three because it's only one number to remember. And the less you have to remember, the better. <laughs> so it's all done on a count of three. So breathing in, whether it's through your nose, through your mouth, whatever you want to do, it makes a difference. Breathe in. And instead of counting to three, we want the aim for this is to bring people down into a more relaxed state. So I ask them to say, relax, relax, relax as they breathe in, as their hand comes up and close their eyes. And then pause for a count of three. And then as they breathe out, breathe out as it's as though it's a sigh of relief, because when you sigh of relief, you let go and you sink into it. So as you breathe out, allow your eyes to open. As you breathe out, your hand goes down and you say, relax, relax, relax again. And you pause for three at the bottom and it's eat, sleep, repeat. And keep going, doing this until you find, till the person finds their eyes either stay open or closed. Arm either hangs around the air or just can't be bothered to lift anymore. And do it. <laughs> Never do this driving, obviously. This is really bad juju. Um, and don't do it stood up because I tested that theory and I fell over. Uh, <laughs> so sat down or lay down is good uh, because it can make you feel extremely woozy quite quickly, um, particularly if the person is really stressed. Then it kind of, when the brain slows down, it's like putting the brakes on really quick and you kind of lurch forwards. It kind of has that whoa spaced out floaty woozy effect um and it's just really nice really simple very gentle way of reducing brain speed and changing that brain state i, I like it and i'd encourage people to practice it i know where uh, it, it was uh, one thing i was thinking of when, when i was uh, doing my degree at university was how stressed out I got in my final year and uh, to a point where I wasn't sleeping. I was like, I'd been crying for my exams. I wasn't sleeping. I was feeling sick. I, I couldn't eat. I felt so sick. And uh, it just didn't seem that it could end. And I ended up going to um, the, the college counsellor and they gave me a, a cassette back in the days when we had cassettes. And it was just a relaxation process, but mostly it was breathing and uh, muscle clenching, going through different yes. muscles of, of the body. And uh, and I think uh, within 20 minutes of doing that, I was fast asleep and I, I slept for at least 24 hours after that. <laughs> but um, but just, just doing that, it, it helped me to understand that um, breathing was an important part, an integral part of uh, being able to calm and focus and center yourself. And, and it's often said the most basic form of 
meditation or mindfulness is focus on on the breathing and i like that this what you described includes that and some uh it's not about clearing your mind it's about focusing yourself saying what you want to say and some movement as well i think those for some reason those combinations work work very very well together so it's a great exercise i hope people will will try it out you you do some uh, you do some free work as well with uh with military and troops is that right yes i do yes i set up a charity with a friend of mine um december 2017 um basically because there we'd identify there was a gap in the in the in the treatment system and that was access to treatment at crisis point uh when when guys are toes on the edge guys and girls are toes on the edge uh the system is operates that they need to people need to have an assessment to then have treatment but the assessment can take weeks sometimes months to then wait a minimum of about six months usually to access treatment. And when somebody's, you know, you've got people in the military, predominantly guys, are the, um, but the, 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 the ladies are just as stubborn because you become so self-disciplined and determined and motivated to, to you know, if you've got a task, you fix, you know, there's a problem, you fix it. But we can't fix the problems in our own minds that wonderful quote from einstein you cannot solve a problem with the same level of thinking that created it when your when your mind is the problem you're only ever going to see it from the perspective of the problem so we want people we, we use zoom because in the uk it's gdpr compliant which is obviously hugely important and i've been using zoom for some some years beforehand so we, we just took advantage of it and we now treat uk veterans um as far as new, new zealand and australia wherever they live and work and everywhere in between to, to to provide that access for them so and we found a lot of people as well are really struggling to get out the front door when they're at the lowest and the thought of going outside to go somewhere they've never been before to meet someone they've never met before to talk through all the same shit they're trying not to think about is massively stressful scary and overwhelming so they can sit in the comfort of their own home and not worry about having to go anywhere unfamiliar and if they want to end the call they just click the red button on the screen that's it if it gets too much or but this is why I teach these self-regulation tools. We teach these self-regulation tools in the very first sessions so that they go away from it with a with the confidence boost that they can deal with these emotions and feelings when they come up. So they can manage it in between sessions and they can use it themselves in a session should things start to become overwhelming, but know that we're there for backup as well in a session. It's, it certainly sounds like good and important work that you're doing as well. I know you talk about that uh, a little bit on your website as well. And yeah. um, one of the uh, one of the things that I'm, I'm aware of, you, you have a lot of stories and experiences that I'm sure you, you share some of them. What, what is maybe one of your favourite stories to share or talk about in perhaps in presentations? One of my favourite stories. Um, crikey, there's 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 a few. There's some. Some of the, the kind of the, the crazy things that have happened, um, like being kidnapped, for example, is a 
is kind of weird. Um, I think some of the the the, the 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 fun stuff is I remember having drawing <laughs> drawing a comparison of you know how being being operating a North tour in Northern Ireland, um, and then after a tour in Northern Ireland, having six weeks off of doing nothing but well generally as a as a as a young Royal Marine spent most of it drunk um and spending most of the money that you build up over that six months in, in northern ireland is, is gone and then going away in a uh on a med a med trip exercise um for, for three months or whatever it was on on hms fearless and then going to you know so that in one year you go northern ireland mediterranean brunei to do jungle warfare training and the difference in in, in <laughs> the, the mindset, and you're in Northern Ireland doing what you what you you love to do. This is you know you joined to be to do the soldiering, and and the, obviously it's stressful. And there's the dark humour, and then making and replicating stress and moaning about everything that we're doing in the Mediterranean, which was not exactly a hardship, but <laughs> but just how we we focus on stupidly we focus on on all the things to moan about because we can no matter what the situation you know uh, but yet having so much fun in the process and the irony of it is that you know the the are you know our commanders always know when something wrong is when we stop moaning so if things are good we'll find things to moan about but when it's when we've got nothing to moan about then they start to worry so it's it's a good way to a good way to look at it i think but um it is is interesting i mean i think uh, we we do understand and maybe it's one of the things that has come up a bit through this is that our brains are perhaps more wired towards negativity than positivity i mean it's just yeah. uh, the evolved survival instincts we're always looking out for danger and and, yeah. and we generally are looking to to solve problems and keep ourselves safe and, and maybe that is part of the um the complain mentality as well as i like just we keep focused on making life better for ourselves and our and our communities as well hopefully but yeah oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we go we can go along along that sort of path but i i, I always i've always liked that i mean I, one thing i've rallied against a bit has been the sort of cult of positivity that has often sprung up in certain personal development areas things like that of uh, people feeling that they have to be positive and optimistic all the time is that well yeah i think you generally will have a, a better experience of life when you're more positive if you're particularly negative negatively focused yes but all, uh, you have to train yourself you know like anything we get conditioned we, we probably have a natural predisposition to a greater degree to our, our emotional um baseline if you like of where we where we normally sit but we can do things to improve that and to make our uh, make ourselves a bit more positively focused so that we're not just um, you know like eeyore from winnie the pig like always in the, <laughs> yes. in the negativity that we want to have some let the sunshine in from time to time as well or at least do more of that and it's always about this journey of it should be really about this journey of improvement not about that you have to be uh, perfect on this or that you punish yourself when you're uh, when you have a moment of negativity this is all about you know the goal for me with everything that I do in personal development is 
to improve life, make things better for for myself and everyone else, for for the world in in general. Just not not aiming for perfection, not aiming for uh, anything other than being better tomorrow than today. Yes, yeah. I mean, I'm totally with you on that, and I think you know. The, I think one of the biggest problems in society these days is that you know it, science, technology, etc., has changed so phenomenally fast in such a short space of time that as human beings we're playing catch up and we can't keep up with the rate of change in terms of our our own evolution we don't we don't change as quickly as we make things change and this is where so much stress is happening in social media you know there's yin and the yang it has so many positive uses and it's like with anything it's the intent behind the use of it that makes it good or bad and yeah i think there are a lot of people who are misguided in the use of it and there are some deliberately damn right shitty bastards out there who use it for manipulation and to cause people you know pain and how you how you you change that is it's a tough it's a tough ask isn't it really it's, it's something that's come up in a, in a few of the few of the chats I had. You know, I have uh, uh, um, my eldest niece has suffered a bit from cyberbullying, uh, and certainly was aware of the impact that that had on her. And I think we see it much more. I think the the UK just recently has been uh, a very highly publicized publicized case of a, a TV presenter yes. um, who ended her life, uh, and seemingly because of um, I guess shame and social media bullying and whatever else was perhaps yeah. going on for there may have been other issues as well but uh, certainly that seems to be a sort of played a significant part in it what we do about it well uh, i think it all we can really do right now is it, it starts with us and it starts with being better than that and not uh, not supporting or not uh, i'd say as well not responding too much to that as well it's the some it's the reactionaries that i think fire up the people who do this because that's what they're looking for so every time we give attention to the attention halls, they they will do more. Yeah, very much so. Um, you know, my fate one of my favourite people on social media in in their response to to trolls and just uh, and you know the the shitty abuse that they get is James Blunt. I'm with you there. Yeah, he's just phenomenal. What a great way to go. Well, yeah. So what? Okay, what you're saying is actually quite meaningless <laughs> in the big picture. Yeah, I think he's he's a good person to follow on Twitter because he's uh, he's self-deprecating in a way that isn't really down himself, but just says I'm not taking this seriously and uh, and I'm yeah. not not accepting your uh, not accepting the insults. Just just going to play here. It's which a, is a a very nice approach. Good. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Is there anything that you were hoping I would ask you about, or a question you wish I had asked today? That's an excellent question. Um, <laughs> uh, I think really it'd be nice for people to know uh, how to, to get hold of me if they want to. Yeah, absolutely. And that's certainly one, one we were coming to. So how, how should they get in contact with you? Well, th- th- there's my website, which is really simple. It's simonmarion.com. <laughs> 
um, and it's M-A-R-Y-A, and it's Mary with a short M, is the easiest way to describe it. Um, and you know, find me on, I'm all over social media. Um, Facebook, it's Simon Marion Speaker. And it's just, Twitter is just Simon, at Simon Marion. It's um, really simple. So people can go there and if they're interested in maybe having you as a speaker and hearing about some of your experiences and hearing about mental resilience, they can come and find out more and get in contact with you there, yes? They can indeed, yes. Excellent. We'll certainly put a link to the website in the episode description as well when it goes online. So anyone listening, you'll find the link is there as well for you. And uh, for me, uh, I, I want to th- thank you for your time. I know we had, uh, we tried before and had some technical issues and so we rescheduled <laughs> and tried again. And now I'm sort of fighting off the coronavirus or something and uh, <laughs> just, about, just about managed to get through this uh, get through this call uh, are there any any, any n- nice quotes or words of wisdom that you can leave our audience with today well there's a couple of there's a couple of quotes that that that, that spring to mind um and that, that, that i use on a regular basis and one is you know where attention goes energy flows so focus on what you want rather than what you don't um, and definitely, you know, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. Two, two quotes I just love. Um, Those are both great ones. Excellent. Simon, thank you so much for your time and your, your stories and your insights. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. And I'm so glad we were able to finally make this uh, recording happen. <laughs> And, and we've got through it with, uh, with no hitch other than a bit of background noise here, which I hopefully have managed to mostly mute out. Um, I think we've, uh, we've done a good job. So thank you once again. And uh, I hope you, uh, those listening, uh, that you will go and check out Simon on simonmarion.com and tune in again for the next Loki podcast. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed the podcast, please make sure you like and subscribe to stay updated for future episodes. If you think you'd make a great guest on the Loki podcast, or you know someone who would, or you have any feedback that might help us to improve the show in the future, please email me directly, john at presentinfluence.com, or visit the Present Influence website or our LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter accounts. We look forward to hearing from you and connecting with you there and seeing you again on a future episode of the Loki Podcast.